Welcome to a brand new episode of the Ryan Clarkin Mindset Podcast. This is a really, really special episode because it's the first official episode where I am bringing on a guest. And I didn't want to bring just any guest on the podcast. I wanted to bring on somebody that I hold near and dear to my heart, somebody who has made a massive difference in my life and who will make a massive difference in your life if you apply the tools and wisdom that he shares in this episode. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Caduce. Caduce is an internationally celebrated TV host, producer, and media coach with over 20 years of experience bringing out the best in us and breaking through the noise. Q started his career on MTV, replacing Carson Daly as a host of the iconic show Total Request Live and being the interviewer of choice for artists like Britney Spears, Stevie Wonder, and Beyonce. After five years on the popular network, Q moved on to start his own production company, The Q Side, and helped pioneer new media with partners like AOL, Yahoo, and YouTube. As a media coach, Caduce has helped some of the most inspiring influencers in the world to master their voice and to make their best content. Whether you've been following Caduce since his time at MTV or this is your first time being introduced to him, I promise you, you are in for a treat. In this episode, Q so beautifully and vulnerably shares about his journey of going from being an insecure kid to blowing up as one of the most well-known TV talk show hosts in the world. Q also shares some of his key creative strategies towards creating a winning TEDx talk that he used to create his most recent TEDx talk called The Truth About Fame. So no matter where you're at in your creative journey, I promise you, you're going to walk away from this episode feeling inspired and with clear and tangible tools you can use to ignite your creative superpowers and take them to the next level. Let's dive in. You welcome to the show. I am super happy to have you on. I'm really grateful uh, because you have made a tremendous impact on my life, and I'm so excited to share the gifts that you bring with mm. everyone here. Um, I remember would love to share the story of of how we met, just because it's, mm. it's super impactful for me, mm. and um, it's a true like message of mentorship. Mm. And um, I just remember meeting you because you were my mentor in now it's called lit with next level trainings mm-hmm. um and i didn't like know who you were at first but then when i found out like who you were in the world i was like oh shit like it hit me right in the <laughs> worthiness and um and i was like oh my gosh like this guy is like interviewed like the top celebrities like he's known in the world like am i even worthy of having this guy as a mentor and mm. you literally treated me like a brother And it shattered my paradigm of like what I'm personally worthy of. And not only that, but it's so beautiful to see like how that mentorship has blossomed into this like beautiful friendship Mm. that we have now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so awesome to see you in your many dimensions and expressions for what you create online. Like this is going to be a multi-dimensional conversation. <laughs> and I'm so excited because you like bring so many dimensions. So if you, uh, if you haven't heard of Q yet, um, your mind is going to be blown. Caduce 
uh, was a MTV host of TRL Live for many years. Um, and now he is a media mastery coach and really a transformational coach and facilitator and trainer and uh, an extraordinary human being with so much to give. So I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Um, would love to start off with this key question here of, you know, you started off, I, f I feel like, I feel like people don't really know like what life was like before you took off. Mm. And I would love to know what, like, did you have a feeling that you were going to create fame and live a life of impact when you were younger? Like, was that a desire in your heart or was that not even in your field of view? What was that uprising like? It was, it was based on how inspired I was looking at artists and hosts on my favorite music network back in Canada, much music. And I was watching Master T, who's my favorite VJ on the network. And he was a black man, long black dreads and big bangles on his arms, like really cool guy. And I thought to myself, if I could do that for a living, I'd be really happy because I love music. And that was a big part of my day to day. And so basically all I knew in high school was that I wanted to be like Master T. Wow. And so sure enough, coming out of high school, I ended up getting into university by the skin of my teeth. I was a philosophy major, although I was a joke because I basically only took one class that first semester. <laughs> and the majority of my time, I was DJing. I was a campus radio DJ. And so that was my first experience actually broadcasting. And I started to feel like that could be my lane in my career, but it, it was still kind of a long shot to think about becoming like a master T on television, interviewing these big stars. And so what happened was, during the first semester at university, there was an announcement that Much Music made that they were looking for a new host and they're going to do this nationwide search and find a new VJ. And so everybody in my life felt like encouraged me to put together a demo tape and apply and see if I could get into that. And I did. I ended up becoming a finalist and that was really exciting and also disappointing when I didn't ultimately win. I was a runner up. Mm. So I went all the way to the end. It was a live audition on national TV. And so it kind of broke my cherry in terms of my opportunity to actually be on TV and yeah. feel what that felt like. And that was the experience that I needed to start thinking more realistically about that possibility. And mm -hmm. around the same time, I was really getting into self-development work. And I took a really great seminar with Landmark. I started reading conversations with God and all of that amounted to a lot of momentum in my belief in myself. I mean, before that, I was pretty insecure. Like through high school, I really didn't think I was particularly smart. I didn't think I was particularly cool. I mean, I had a lot of personality, but that was really coming from almost like an overcompensation for my insecurities. And so, you know, it was fun to be around. But like, if you ask me internally how I felt, I was not necessarily the cool kid. Uh, but I, I hung out with some cool kids and I managed to get through high school without getting beat up a ton. So that was nice. But but coming out of high school, I wasn't particularly confident. So thankfully, the work that Next Level Trainings and all sorts of different other you know, great facilitators and, and coaches provide really helped me to get my mindset to the point where when push came to shove and a year out from that VJ search, the opportunity to go and meet over at Much Music or sorry, <clears throat> the opportunity to go meet at MTV came up. That was a moment where I got to really apply a lot of the things that I'd been transforming in internally 
about myself. And then I got to walk in there. And even though I felt all the feelings of insecurity, I knew that it was, I was an interpretation away from actually being the type of person that would actually get the job mm-hmm. on MTV. And sh- sure enough, I just chose to interpret that anxiety that I was feeling as excitement. And I went in there and I let the excitement rip. And that was what the meeting was like. I basically let that passion and that enthusiasm for music just shine through. And then two days later, I get a call from uh, the agent that got me in the door and he said, you got the job. (laughs) The job that wasn't even on the table before. Like they weren't even looking for a host at the time, which made my getting the job that much more remarkable. So it was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was a real quantum leap. Wow. So when you were like on that journey of getting that position, what was going on in your mind? Like you mentioned some insecurities, but like, were you just dead set on like, this is happening? Cause you hear so many people like in the success space being like, you just believe a hundred percent, like a thousand percent, like you'll manifest it. But was there doubts? Was there, were there doubts? Were there fears? Were there like, what was that mental space like? Did, was there a part of you that didn't think that it would happen? Yeah, actually during the meeting at MTV, I remember feeling like it wasn't going well. I remember looking at the guy who's the executive in front of me, the talent development guy, his name's Scott Venner. And he was looking at me with this poker face the whole time. He wasn't giving me <laughs> anything to work off of. <laughs> so, so there I was thinking, gosh, oh my God, like, I, I mean, I know I'm feeling nervous. And so if this guy's not really responding to what I'm saying in a favorable way, at least I can't tell based on his face, I was left to an interpretation which then I sort of looked at my feeling as an indicator. And so my feeling indicated that I didn't do particularly well. As I was walking out, I thought, surely I just tanked. I mean, you ever get so nervous that you have dry mouth? You literally, you know, like you need water, like you're in the Sahara desert. That's how I felt. Oh, this is is terrible. I am tanking this, you know? So, so I genuinely didn't think I was going to get the job. And Hmm. that goes to show, I mean, interpretations are not necessarily the truth with a capital T. And, and so Definitely a, a big uh, teachable moment there for me. And, and um, so, so ever since then, I, I know that my feelings are not necessarily a reliable source of any, anything outside of me other than, the, than my own physiology. So yeah, it was really interesting. Even prior though, you know, with the Much Music VJ search and, and the job that I got on television on a smaller network as sort of like a consolation prize, a producer from this network called TV Ontario had seen me on the VJ search hired me for a co-hosting job. That was my first proper job on TV. So doing that did set me up to have some confidence going into the door at MTV, but it, it wasn't like TV Ontario was comparable to MTV on any level. I mean, right. it, was, it was a radical, radical shift in terms of the size of the audience and impact. And so I, I really came at it very hopeful, very excited, but also very clear that I was not necessarily on paper somebody that had earned his stripes in TV Mm. or broadcasting. I mean, most VJs on MTV at the time had done radio professionally for years. And that was like the apex of their career. Meanwhile, I had done campus radio for one semester before being the runner up in a VJ search at Much Music and then on a small network called TV Ontario. And it was a great show. I mean, it ended up being an award-winning show. Uh, It was like the young 60 minutes, but by no means was it something that would you would think lead to a job on MTV. So by all accounts, it was a quantum leap. Wow. So you yeah. really were the the new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. Like you were the prodigy in town. What, what was that like? Wow. 
talk about imposter syndrome. I, mean, I could write <laughs> a whole book about how deep imposter syndrome can go. Yeah, I definitely didn't feel particularly worthy. I felt like I kind of snuck in the coolest party in the world and they're going to figure me out any second, honestly. Wow. So I had a heck of a lot of performance anxiety and I definitely felt like, you know, I, 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 I was happy to be there. So there was, it was a lot of, of energy and, and excitement. And in my private moments, I struggled for my first year or so. I struggled to sleep. I had, I had really bad insomnia. My first summer beach house with MTV, you know, the times where everybody's hanging out, drinking margaritas on the beach. I was like, oh my God, I can't sleep. Uh, I ended up fainting backstage and I ended up having to fly back to Canada in the middle of the summer. I mean, it was like really gnarly. It's going to make a hell of a chapter in my book, but it was gnarly. I really thought I just, I just blew it. I just blew it. So that was my first summer. And anybody on MTV at the time will tell you, it was like this kid from Canada just fainted backstage. Oh my and gosh. And I'm, pretty sure he's out of his league, you know? So, so my internal conversation started to express itself externally. Uh, and so <clears throat> despite, you know, a lot of the evidence of me being very worthy to be there, I mean, I got quite a bit of good feedback that first summer. Uh, it, it was hard for me to wrap my head around because it was such a quantum leap. And even though I'd done that internal work at self-development with Landmark and conversations with God, there's something to be said about continuing that work a lot to be said about it to make it sustainable. And so there was this window of time where I was really empowered. And then I started to basically default to my habit patterns and a lot of the limited beliefs that had basically had me limited before I did that work. So anyway, that being said, being at MTV, that first stretch was really rough. And I even got a therapist to help me out. And so that helped enough to at least get me the, the proper job. Like I ended up flying back from Canada and finishing the summer with the countdown, the, the end of summer wrap up show. And they said, if you can do this show in the way that you started your contract here, then we'll give you the job. And I did. Wow. And so it was like by the skin of my teeth. I mean, I, I literally felt like I was a shell of myself just barely hanging on. Cause I still hadn't really gotten my feet under me after, you know, months of not sleeping. It was gnarly. It was really gnarly. It was a nightmare actually in some ways, but then, but then there was this breaking point where I realized that I, I'd chosen it. And so I, I better get used to it. I better figure out a way to bring myself to it in a way that, that, that would work for me. And, and so I just started to put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Every day I showed up to the studio and, and I just did my very best, you know, and, and thankfully uh, there was enough grace for me during that whole phase. And, you know, that was a phase of, of, of TV and particularly at MTV where development actually happened. You know, I had really great mentors and, and people in the building who really did help me and, and, and pull me aside and say things like, you know, when I had a good show, they'd be like, that's the confidence that we need from you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those moments really helped me along the way. And then you know, I ended up having a five-year career there and, and had a lot of success. So sometimes when things are rough at the beginning, it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily for you. It just means yeah. you get to transform who you are in it. Wow. Talk about a transformation. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it sounds like that it challenged this opportunity challenged every aspect of your identity. Yeah. Like you had, an you had a full out identity crisis. I did. I've had multiple experience. since then. They're really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, no, that was definitely an identity <clears throat> crisis because I think I really didn't consider myself someone that could be on that kind of platform and, and be mm. this tastemaker and be hanging out with Jay-Z and Beyonce on any given day. These are people that I grew up watching and had no access to. And there's nobody in my family or my friend circle that had any sort of cloud or 
ins into the entertainment business. So I just grew up not thinking that that was, that was even possible. That was not in my wheelhouse. And I thought campus radio is amazing. Like that, that right there would have been a win in my mind as it was. And so the prospect of being on MTV was definitely out of reach, but that's the thing about transformational work. You know, a lot of times some people can come into a transformational workshop and have a cynical perspective. And if they allow themselves enough of a openness to consider some of these different concepts and, and distinctions to, to really shift out of one way of looking at things to another, magic can happen. Miracles mm. can happen. And that's what happened with me. I literally created a miracle. Nobody would have bet on a kid from Canada to become an internationally known MTV host. Nobody. I was the first breakthrough from Canada to international stage on MTV. Tom Green ended up doing a variety show at one point. So it was him and I having these quantum leaps going from little market up in Canada to millions of people seeing us around the world. So if that's possible for me, being the insecure kid that I was, and then going through a transformational process and really allowing myself to shift out of those limited beliefs, it's possible for anybody to do anything. And there's so many people who are that version of you when you were in college, university, and they are growing and they have a really big dream. Maybe they crave, maybe they want to be famous. You know, mm -hmm. like you, you have an interesting relationship with fame because you've gone to the highest heights. And I feel like you have a lot of wisdom around fame. It's something that not many people get to touch, live and experience in their life. And I have a few questions about that for you, but I want to start off by asking you, what would you say to that college or university student who wants to grow and has this dream and really likes the idea of like, you know what? I think I could be big. Like, I think I could be famous. Like I have a lot of talent, but they're also in a comfort zone. Maybe they're, mm -hmm. maybe they're partying uh, quite a bit uh, mm -hmm. or they're not quite sure if that's actually something that they want. Yeah. Well, consider what do you want to be famous for? First and foremost, you know, fame in and of itself, we've seen what that does. If there isn't a purpose at the core of it, it will be a really weird road for whoever that is. You know, if you're famous for being famous, unless you end up getting a great brand deal and then you find some purpose underneath that, you will feel really hollow. You'll feel like you're in a Truman show mm. and, and you won't really feel like there's much moment to moment satisfaction or fulfillment. I mean, truly, when I look at the intersection of fame and fulfillment, that is really what I've discovered is, is the ultimate intersection for people to decide. And now some people can choose fulfillment and fame. That's the ideal. And, and some people get that. Some people hit that mark. And I think on the high notes of my career, I've felt that as well. As long as there is a real mission and a vision and, and, and values underneath that desire, then I think it can be incredible. I think you can end up having massive impact, letting yourself be so freely expressed and creative and, and fulfilled. And I mean, that's, that's, I would say that's the key component though. If you can get that, that clarity around your purpose and, and having the talent to go with that, and then you have a support system that's really authentic, that's true. They're not just yes men that are fluff on your pillows and just happy to cash a commission check from you. 
then I would say you have a shot to really make a huge difference. Cause I don't think fame in and of itself is bad. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people just end up getting into tricky situations within that. You know, there's a lot of pitfalls of it as, as we've seen, you know, there's all sorts of famous people that have spun off the wheels, gone off the reservation as it were. And, and then there's some people, you know, that managed to do it really well. I mean, if you look at Beyonce, she looks like she's handling it with so much grace. She's the biggest artist of all time. Right. And, She's got a family and she's doing the art that really does impact. And so I think it it just, it really depends on why you're doing it. The why is always the most important thing. So check in with the why I would say. Mm, That's beautiful. And what do you feel is the, the dark side of fame? Like Mm. what is, you mentioned like they can get lost if they're just focused on becoming famous for the sake of becoming famous they can get lost what if what have you seen as the dark side and what what do you feel like really is wanted and needed like what are some of the tools that maybe you some extra tools that you wish that you had or like tools that you Mm -hmm. want to hand down maybe there's somebody listening to this that like is on that path or is currently rising up into a high level of fame what do you wish that you knew earlier on Yes, like getting clear on your why, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and your purpose. But what else? Like, how do you how do you handle the pressure of that? And also, I mean, you've shared on your TEDx talk, which we'll talk about in a moment here, about how you were being pressured in to go against yourself in different ways. And this mm-hmm. is something that's very common and we hear about a lot. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I would say the advice I got from Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest when I first started at MTV is the best advice anybody gave me. And I'm always going to pass that along, which is that integrity, your integrity is more important than anything else. And it's so easy to rationalize letting things slip through the cracks. Like if a wardrobe person wants you to wear an outfit that doesn't feel authentic and well, you want to be a people pleaser in that moment, go along to get along. You put the wardrobe on, you go out there in front of millions of people and you don't really feel like yourself because you chipped away at your integrity. And then over time, what happens is you end up feeling like a shell of yourself. So that's the biggest thing I would offer in terms of being able to keep your head on straight and, and keep your, your center in the midst of, of all of the chaos that, or the excitement that can happen around an artist or, or a celebrity. It's, it's that integrity, that ability to hit the pillow at the end of the night and to know that no matter what the ratings are like on your show, no matter how many clicks you got on any given piece of content, that at least you were yourself, that at least you were true to you. And, and that's the most important thing. That's sustainability within all of this. Because if you, let's say, put out a song that you know isn't your truth, then you know what's going to happen? Let's say it ends up being a hit and you become known for that song. You will be touring with that song that you don't really love for the rest of your life. People will literally scream that song from across the street because you'll be so synonymous with that song. And if you don't love that song, guess what? You're going to be in a nightmare. So that's, that's unfortunately what happens sometimes when people allow fame to be the number one metric of importance in their life is is that then what's underneath that what what is the driver is ultimately not sustainable and and ultimately you end up feeling like you're in a in a in a tap dance version of your life you end up shucking and jiving for likes the rest of your life and not feeling that fulfillment and that authenticity 
So wow. yeah, there's a way to do it, but you just got to keep that in mind. Yeah. And you know, I can, I can hear some people asking themselves this question of like, it, you know, if you develop a strong sense of identity at a young age yep. and like, you know, yourself and you trust yourself and you build that integrity, is it really possible uh, to rise up to a high level of, of fame and impact from that place, knowing that a big part of it is a relationships game, you yeah. know, that will it intimidate or will it, will you lose opportunities because you choose integrity over people pleasing? What do you yeah. have to say around that? Well, it comes down to communication. A lot of the time there'll be moments with a representative on your team or a network or whatever it is. And if you can articulate your vision and have it be something that can add value to whatever it is that they're up to, right? Because if, if, if there seem like competing agendas, oftentimes it's just a matter of having a conversation where you say, okay, what's your objective here? Okay, here's my objective. Like, well, how can we meet in the middle? And if you can't, then being okay, just shaking hands and saying it's, it's not necessarily a fit, you know? And I, and I love that there is language around this stuff that there didn't used to be. Like it, it, we could never necessarily as talent say, you know what, I'm not sure that's on brand for me. You know, and that that would that would alleviate a lot of issues for anybody in the 80s and 90s deliberating about doing something if they could just be like, actually, you know, that's not on brand. Now we have some of that language in the zeitgeist. So if something isn't a fit, it's not going to ruin the relationship to make the distinction that this isn't necessarily on brand. So it's being willing to decipher and, and go with that identity and understand, okay, what what is within what is your vision and what isn't? And then along the way, having that discernment. Discernment is the biggest thing. If, if you have a sense of identity to be able to exercise that discernment, it's going to make a world of difference. You're going to make better choices. You're going to end up having collaborations that feel authentic. And ultimately, the audience is going to feel that. Mm, powerful. And do you feel like creating fame is truly up to the individual? Or do you feel like there's luck involved or um, it's you know, you have to be seen, you have to be noticed, mm. or is it, or is it up to you? Because I, I know that in the mindsets of, of many people, they think like, ah, I just have to be discovered. I just have to be seen. I have to be noticed. Like, what's it going to take for somebody to see me? They put the power in the hands of other people. Well, there's a lot that goes into it, but I think ultimately if somebody has enough drive and desire and talent that they develop, then anything's possible. I'm, I'm case in point, you know, nobody would have <laughs> thought that that was possible. And so, so if I can do it, anybody can truly, you know, but I had, I had such a will to make it happen at the time. So as I went through the VJ search and lost, there was such a willpower and a faith. I had a lot of faith. And so as I moved through that next year of my life, I had the faith that there was, there was something there. There was something there at the end of the tunnel for me. And so I would say that it may not necessarily look the way you think it's going to look. And, and that's a big part of what I've seen over and over again is the differentiator for people who manage to become successful it is that flexibility within the ultimate vision. So if you can be flexible, adapt, reinvent yourself, not be so fixed about how it should go, then there's going to be a, a, a world of possibilities beyond the, the thing. Because we all have plans. We can have plans. We can have you know, all sorts of things that we map out, uh, but then being able to be nimble and present to what is actually being presented to us is, is the key. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, super insightful, super useful, especially for the up and coming generation that has big dreams. Yeah. And um, you recently 
had your TEDx talk, which is yeah. what, like, I was, my mind was blown when I saw mm. your talk. Like, truly, I've, I've told this to you before, like uh, such a beautiful expression of genius. If you haven't seen Q's TEDx talk, it's in the show notes. So make sure you mm. click below. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you shared with me that that TEDx talk was like a mountain peak experience. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about the journey of, of making that happen and really transforming pain into purpose? Because I, it's such a beautiful story. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it was really a lot to process for sure leading up to the talk. I only had about a month and a half to prepare because the organizer reached out to me a month and a half before. Most of the time, these TEDx speakers, they have months and months and months to prepare. Uh, but thankfully, I think I've been preparing my whole life for this moment. And and then being able to look at these inciting incidents, you know, in storytelling, we call these inciting incidents that really did mark these turning points in my understanding of the world and who I wanted to be in the world. And and so it, it really was just telling my story, essentially, uh, but really through the lens of media and and that that is a prism that we all are interfacing with now. So even though my particular situation, my, my stories that I share are pretty remarkable, you know, a moment with Kanye on TRL or a moment behind the scenes with Usher at an entertainment news show or going down to Haiti on an aid project, like these are all pretty extraordinary situations, but like the theme of it is truly what it is for all of us to decide to go with our gut, our, our own compass, our own truth above all. And so it felt really good to speak my truth about that and about where I, I actually wavered from that along the way, the lessons I learned from that, because sometimes it takes bumping our head along the way to really get it. And so I did, you know, and then by the end, realizing that ultimately it's, it's an inside out job. And, and a lot of times if we get distracted by what's outside, we'll lose track of what's really inside. What is our truth? And that's ultimately the most important thing. Because what, what, what glitters isn't gold, you know? And I think that's why doing that work in terms of setting our compass, understanding our vision, our mission, our values distinct from maybe what the people around us think for us is imperative. And really that's the whole point of the talk is really honoring our truth. And then everything else emerges out of that. You know, we find our voice when we find our truth, when we really identify what our purpose is, everything flows from that point. And I know uh, for me, it's definitely been the case. Once I really lined up those things and really determined what was important to me more than anything, my life has never been the same. And it looks very different than other points in my life or the way I thought my life would go. But then again, that's the adventure of life. You know, mm-hmm. and it's important to allow for the adventure to happen. Mm. What do you feel like is the biggest lesson that you learned through the creation and facilitation of your TED talk, like personally mm. in your life? Ooh, well, I'm going to quote Quincy Jones on this, the great Quincy Jones, because what ended up happening was definitely playing out from his thesis that when it comes to creativity, it's great to prepare to write down your, your script for given TED talk, but then you want to leave some room for God to come in. So he talked about this idea that like, get, get it to about 75%. And then let God do the rest. And I mean, for me, it was even more. It was actually, I I think, honestly, when I look at what I wrote out, I wrote out the entire talk, but then what what happened was I distilled the talk into an outline, 
that I could actually feel good about memorizing. Memorizing hasn't been a strong suit for me. So I knew, okay, at least if I know the arc and I've worked the script, it'll, it'll come out the way it's meant to come out. And so thankfully I got on stage and I remembered some of the main things, but honestly, it was about 40% of what I wrote when push came to shove and about 60% of it was spontaneous and, and, and really coming from intuition and being in that conversation with the audience in front of me. And so the biggest thing I learned was just how important it is to trust ourselves when push comes to shove, because our head can have a lot to say about how it should go. You know, what about this line that I was so precious about, you know? And then when you're in front of people and stuff, something else emerges, I mean, the stuff that I came up with on the spot was better than the stuff I scripted. Mm -hmm. So really letting presence be the portal and, and allowing for whatever it is that's been your life experience to emerge as it would in a conversation, because that's ultimately what's going to hit better anyway. Mm, that's beautiful. And you shared about really allowing God to work through you. Mm -hmm. That is the desire of so many creators mm -hmm. out there. And mm -hmm. there's definitely a resistance, a dark side to the creative process. And you coach creators. Mm -hmm. What is, what are the biggest challenges that you see right now that are stifling creators from letting God work through them and from them really sharing their gifts with the world in the most powerful way? I would say it's three things. It's how people experience and interpret anxiety, perfectionism, and imposter syndrome. Ooh. I think those are the three main tigers when it comes down to it. And so all three of them require some inner work. I wouldn't say it's too difficult to move through, but I mean, that's where coaches are helpful to really get to some of those blind spots because if something about the perfectionist behavior is not necessarily drawn back to something that happened, let's say in childhood or just a, a quick belief shift, mm. uh, then, then that perfectionism can come to define that creator. And you can start to really feel like that creator is not actually bringing their heart to the table and not feeling like they can actually really flow. And, and it becomes a, a different stilted version of them. Uh, so that's, that's really the most important thing is, is, is it all comes back actually to identifying that interpretation of, of the way we feel is not the truth of the capital T. And so in making a point of seeing how our message is way more important than any sort of mess that we might have felt in the rearview mirror or currently experiencing as anxiety or whatever it may be, imposter syndrome. Um, so it's really being able to get out of our own way at the end of the day and allow for that content that wants to come through us to be more important than any limited beliefs or feelings because feelings come and go. And we can do something with feelings. To me, it's all energy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times when I co like for TEDx, for example, the moment before I got on stage, I would say about an hour before I got on stage, I felt just as nervous and insecure as when I was 20 years old, fainting backstage at MTV. <laughs> right. So the difference is now I realize in the mindset work that I've done that the feeling that I was experiencing doesn't have to rule me. I didn't become a victim to my feeling in that moment. I realized, oh, this is my body signaling that I need to just breathe. Mm. 
And instead of going over all the script in my head over and over again and looking at the notes that I made, maybe I just need to just relax and allow for it all to settle. And that's what I did. So literally the half an hour leading up to getting on stage at TEDx, I just relaxed. I, I focused on my breathing. I even meditated. I closed my eyes. I sat there for the 10 minutes leading up to going on stage. I didn't look at my paper once. The person that was on before me, she was cramming until the very last second. Oh and her energy on stage was, 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 was affected. Mm. I could tell she wasn't as exuberant as she was with me backstage before having that moment before. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot there in terms of what, what we choose to make up. You know, and we make up a lot of things. It's, it's, so it's either you make up something that empowers you or doesn't empower you. But just mm. notice it's all interpretation. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you shared a lot of shifts that are really useful from a, from a cognitive level. Mm -hmm. And some people struggle with, you know, they can hear what to do over and over and over again. But like, what do you feel like is the most powerful action that a creator could take right now? If, if they're at the point right now where they're listening to this, they're like, I know there's greatness in me. I keep stifling myself. Like what is an mm -hmm. action that I can take today that is going to help me break through this? What do you think that would be? Mm, well, I would say that looking at the, their vision and making sure that they're really clear about why they're doing it. Again, it, it, a lot of this goes to the why, because if the why is big enough, then we're going to have the fortitude. We're going to have the, the, the willingness to face off with whatever comes, because if, if it makes the difference to our vision, then whatever discomfort along the way is nothing compared to that. But if we haven't really tilled the soil of our vision, then there's no way we can have a harvest because this, this, the moment I run with this metaphor, the moment it rains or doesn't rain, you know, if it doesn't rain for long enough, then we're going to start to worry about whatever harvest is coming or not coming. But if, if our willpower is there because of our why, like I knew based on, how I felt at the VJ search and, and how I felt introducing artists and music that I believed in that that transmission was going out to people that, that then we're going to feel better on the receiving end. I knew that in, in whatever small way that was, I was making the world a better place. Mm. And although nobody at that moment asked me, Hey, what's your vision? I connected enough dots for myself to realize this matters mm. the way that I'm being, on camera for whoever's watching matters enough that that was the seed that basically created an energy, a, a tide from my heart that, that would not stop until I got the job. And I ended up getting a job on a much bigger network. So that's how it works. Like when, when we are clear about the difference that we can make, then it doesn't matter how we feel along the way. You know, we make up a lot about our feelings and our thoughts Feelings and thoughts are not who we are. They are oftentimes the worst indicators of who we are. You know, they can make mm -hmm. us feel very limited and human, but we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so remembering what it is that we're, we're doing it for is the, is the first step. If we're feeling blocked or stuck, go back to your why. Mm, I love that. So powerful. So important. So important to reconnect with your why. So true. And you know, why don't people connect with their why? Well, 
they distract themselves. It's really interesting that yeah. the people who are most called to their purpose also are really fucking good at distracting themselves from their purpose. <laughs> so one of the biggest distractions that people use is social media. And mm -hmm. you've been really passionate about really like rehabbing yourself from the social media addiction. What mm -hmm. inspired you to dive into that? I know you recently went on a social media, like personalized retreat. Mm -hmm. Would love to hear a little bit about like what inspired you to dive into this and what do you see available for people through it? Well, I know for me, it felt like I was so enmeshed into social media through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We were all relegated to being on our screens for yeah. connection for the most part. And so for me, it, it developed into a really deep habit. And I caught myself the other day feeling like a crackhead on my It was like the, the first thing saying. I reached for in the morning. You know, when, when your phone and Instagram is the first thing you reach for in the morning and not a glass of water or your partner's face or whatever else. It could be the, the, the starting moment, the tone setter of your day. Uh, that's something to look at. And I, and I had to look at it. I really had to look at it. And the, the thing I determined is, is, is that I was starting to, to truly place way too much value on the platform. And I was noticing me kicking down the street, the things that I said I wanted to do, like the bigger long form projects that I wanted to work on were becoming less and less of a priority because the compulsion of of getting the instant gratification, you know, the likes and comments and all the back and forth and the DMs and all of that. It's, it's like this, this scratch to an itch, you know, we all want to feel significant and validated. And I think to the extent that we can delay that gratification is the extent to which we can write that screenplay or make that album or learn that language, whatever it is, that's a, a, a bigger investment, oftentimes more challenging, less validation along the way. But guess what? Then it becomes an Academy Award film, you know, versus you making, you know, constant reels every day to keep up with the Joneses on Instagram. I mean, it, you know, when you look at the scope of content, the world of content, you can think about it as definitely an audience builder. And it's important to use tools like Instagram to stay connected, build a community, all that stuff. That's very valid. It's very important. So I don't look back at my time this past couple of years and say, I regret being on Instagram as much as I have been. I think it's been actually a powerful experience of sharing from my heart consistently about a variety of things that we've all been grappling with as a society. And so ultimately I've been refining my voice. My voice has emerged in all of this. And so that valuable, but then there comes a point where I can only rationalize that for so long. And then it's like, okay, what about creating the podcast that I've been talking about or creating the Netflix show that I've been dreaming up or whatever it is, you know, insert whatever your dream is and just think about how much time we devote to social media and what is the ROI. Mm. And so at a certain point, we got to get really, really clear and, and start to balance things. And so it's not that I'm saying getting off social media period is the answer. I think it's a balance. It's like with anything. I mean, you're a media coach and you're telling people to not spend as much time on social media. <laughs> Why? Well, it, you know, it, it, it is, it, it's about 
It's about <laughs> the why again. It's, it's like, okay, so if we're spending hours a day on a platform, what is the why? Is it that the people that you're interacting with are interested in your service or product? Great. Then that's business development. But if it's something else, if your messaging doesn't really attract the people that you want to work with, if they don't even know about your product or service or whatever else could transpire on the platform, then you might be wasting your time relative to what you could be dedicating your time to. So mm. it's about each of us checking in about that. Cause sometimes it's a huge ROI. You know, I know some people they're very, very good with their messaging and they attract exactly who they want to work with. People slide in their DMS and they do big deals and they're millionaires. And some people they piss in the wind. <laughs> they're not clear about their messaging or how to attract that great client and what they're doing on the platform. And that's when they come to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what do you feel like is available for people as they let go of social media addiction and they really get clear on their message, their mission, their purpose, and the impact that they want to create? It's so powerful because really Instagram on the high end or any platform in social media, it's one of the best community building tools we've ever seen. You know, in the 20 years of media, I've been involved with all these different networks and there's something so incredibly intimate about some of the connection that happens on these platforms. So once people find their voice and have that clarity and the confidence of their mission, their vision, their values, they are clear about how to communicate what it is they're up to. It's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You can end up making great friendships, have great collaborations. It's, it's a, a whole world of possibility beyond what you would have available to you, if not for platforms like that. So, but again, it's up to each of us to, to really check that and make sure that we're also calling our mother back, you know, and we're not spending so much time building these relationships with people across the planet that we're not taking care of our friendships right around us. And so, so it's all about balance. I think, you know, my media coaching in some ways is, is about actually having healthy habits with our digital life and, and realizing it's, it needs to be put in its place sometimes. Beautiful. If there's one thing that you could share with somebody who knows that they're a mover and a shaker and they continue to get in their own way, they want to build a big brand. They want to scream their message from the mountaintops, but walking up that mountain feels like they are climbing a muddy, muddy mountain and slipping <laughs> on the journey. Mm -hmm. What would you, what would you say to them if you had the chance to share one message to make a difference with them? I would say taking inventory with someone that can actually point out your blind spots will save you a lot of time and energy and suffering. So if that's a coach like me, or if it's a good friend that you can count on to tell you the truth or whatever it is, you got to get some inventory around what's happening because it's likely a blind spot that's getting in your way. You don't know what you don't know. We don't know what we don't know sometimes. You know, we know what we know. We know that if I press this button, it's going to publish this thing. But then there's a world outside of that. There's how we come across that we're just not objective enough to realize. And it takes a mastery of our mind to be able to truly see ourselves in action the way we actually are. I don't know a lot of people that have that level of objectivity. It's hard. The camera can't film itself, right? Mm. And so... 
another pair of eyes that is honest on what you're doing is imperative to move forward. Wow. And if someone's thinking, all right, I want Q to coach me. I want to hire this guy. Like I'm ready to ignite my life and my message. Uh, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram <laughs> as much as I talked about not being on Instagram. <laughs> I am on Instagram and I do check my DMs and I am taking more breaks from social media than I was before, but I'm, I'm definitely on there. You can connect with me there and also my website, caduce.co. Awesome. And if this desire is alive in your heart to reach out, to connect with Q, um, to explore the possibility of working with him, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to do that. Uh, Q has made like, there's a handful of people that have made an extraordinary uh, difference in my life. And Q is like pretty much at the top, you know, there's, there's a mm -hmm. few people that, you know, that are like mm -hmm. at the top and, and you're mm -hmm. right there. And um, yeah, I, words cannot describe the impact that this man has made on my life and diving into my purpose all in. So mm -hmm. I really encourage you, if you feel inspired to DM him on Instagram at Caduce, reach out to him, let him know your vision, let him know what you want to create. And uh, if you have the opportunity to get mentored and coached by this man, take him up on it. So Q, <laughs> I appreciate you for, uh, for your time, for your message, for your wisdom, for expressing your message and your truth on this platform. Uh, it's always an honor to, to connect with you and, and to collaborate with you. And just want to acknowledge you for always having my best interests in mind, being someone that I can always count on and being a world changer at the highest level in this world, stretching beyond mm -hmm. your own limits and, and creating an extraordinary impact. So, so much love for you, brother. And uh, I look forward to having you on the podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. This is a great conversation, man. Appreciate awesome. you. Of course. Thank you so, so much for tuning into the Ryan Clark and Mindset Podcast. I have a secret to share with you. It's just between you and I. I'm going to be, you're the first to hear about this. I'm going to be hosting some giveaways coming up where you're going to have a chance to win free coaching, free courses, and uh, free books, like personal development books, game-changing books that can support you in transcending beyond limitation so that you can get to your next level. If that sounds exciting to you, over the course of the next month, if you join in on this giveaway, your submission will be worth double points. So you'll have double the chance to win. Here's how you enter. Number one, you're going to leave a five-star review on the podcast and leave a written review. You're going to share a snapshot of you listening to the podcast on your story or on an Instagram post or on a Facebook group. You can tag myself. You can tag Caduce if you want as well and tag one friend that you think could benefit from hearing this episode of the podcast in the comments on my Instagram at Ryan Clarkin. With that, have an amazing day an extraordinary week, and an awe-inspiring life ahead of you. I'll see you on the next episode.